and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward in the virtual Sales Chat Show studio due to COVID restrictions. We can't meet face-to-face, but we are here recording yet another episode from you. I think 180, 190 episodes in our back catalogue for you folks, saleschatshow.com. In the studio, Mr. Graham Jones. Mr. Phil Jessen and I am Simon Hazeldean. And in this episode, we are asking, uh, sorry, not asking the question, we are talking about how to find the hidden revenue you are currently missing by looking through the windows of opportunity. Oh my goodness. How about that? Um, so I'm, I'm sort of kicking off here. I've uh, before literally just before we came on air to record um, this episode, I've been doing some follow-up coaching with a group of account managers who who attended a, a session. I've been running an account management training program. We are running virtually, and um, one of the one of the most common actions I run sessions with account managers uh, in a number of industries uh, on a fairly regular basis. One of the best practices that I uh, will often encourage them to do is to do um, sometimes what's called I call a windows of opportunity analysis. It's sometimes called uh, landscaping or white space analysis, but it's basically looking for sales and revenue opportunities within your existing customer base. So, for example, if somebody manages, let me say, 20 customers, 20 accounts, at a fairly simple rudimentary level on a maybe an Excel spreadsheet, on the vertical, put all of the names of your customers down the, down the, uh, the vertical, and on the horizontal, the various products and or services that you offer. And then you just go through and put a tick or a mark where customers are buying from you or revenueing in that product or service line and leave a gap, which is the white space where they're, where they're currently not. Firstly, it gives you, if you're managing a territory or you're managing a, an account base, it gives you a lovely sort of strategic helicopter overview of who's buying what, which can be very valuable in and of itself. But where it's really valuable is having a look at where you've got revenue gaps. So let's say the third customer down is, is not buying product A, but... of the other customers are. What a great conversation, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. I was just having a look at your account or your records with us. And I noticed that unlike quite a lot of our customers, you're not currently buying this product or service from us. I was just interested to know if that's worth us having a having a conversation and often that will find find opportunities for you to have those conversations smart thing to do because the easiest people to sell to 
are your existing customers and selling existing products or services to existing customers is probably going to be the easiest way to grow revenue than trying to find new customers or introducing introducing new products so it's a I, I probably I think I can safely go on public record and say I've never known a salesperson and account manager implement this with a bit of rigor and them not not discover opportunities there a common piece of feedback people tell me is the reaction from the customers quite often is, oh, I didn't know you sold that product or something, or I, I didn't know you did that. So which, and, and they're sometimes a bit surprised to which I politely point out, it's not the customer's job to be aware of all the products and services you supply. That's your job as the salesperson or the account manager. Customer's busy running their business, doing their job, so keep on reminding them of those is a great is a great way to work. So I thought we'd just throw that in, in a, as a piece of best practice and now go to to Phil Graham, your your perspectives, thoughts, comments on that gentleman. The see the thing is customers put you in a box. So if you provide a range of products but the first product you sell them is, you know, product A. Yeah. Then they put you in the product A box. And they think you're a supplier of those kinds of things. But the fact that your business does other things, they've forgotten or don't care about. And they go to another company to get those products who they put in a box for that. And so it's much easier for the customer to categorize your business as being about product A than it is about a range of products. So until you start helping them categorize you across a range of products and think about you differently, then they will not see their opportunity for saving money by buying from you because they're bound to save money rather than having to find lots of different suppliers. So it's about the way human beings categorize things. We, we, we our brain constantly wants to create categories out of things because it makes it easier for us to understand the world. So your customers will categorize you in the way that makes it easiest for them. And what you've got to do as a salesperson is change that perception and change their category across maybe a horizontal range rather than a vertical range. And then they will see the opportunity to buy other products from you. And so if all you do is you've sold them one product and you think that's great, they're not going to see that you sell the other products. You have got to change their thinking in order for them to see those other products. Yeah. I I think for me, um, it's not just about putting our product range across the top from left to right. Um, It's also about including the products that competitors are selling as well. Because if, for example, uh, to come back to your language, Simon, um, although we might uh, be looking at product A, which we are selling in there ourselves, uh, if competitors are selling products X, Y and Z, even though we may not be selling products X, Y, and Z, it doesn't alter the fact that the competitor is still in the door. Yeah. And the competitor might have an eye, of course, on taking our product A away from the customer. So I think it's uh, an analysis of what the customer is buying from us and people like us. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that 
Uh, we're right to use um, the, the metaphor windows of opportunity, but you'll forgive me with my ex-military hat on to, to refer to these as battlefields, because if you think of them as individual battlefields, it also encourages the sales director to say to the account manager, which of the boxes on this matrix that you've just drawn up do we really need to defend against competitor yeah. attack? It also allows us to say to the account manager, well, on this matrix that you've just drawn up, when you think of the boxes that are currently dominated by our competitors, um, where should we attack our competitors? Where are the quick wins and where are the longer term wins that might take more time, money and effort that might be six to nine months away? So I think for me, um, that battlefield uh, metaphor also works when you think of what do we need to defend what do we need to attack in the short term and what do we need to attack in the longer term? I think it's sometimes referred to, uh, certainly in, say, the IT industry as landscaping, Phil, which is picking up on your point. So who are the key vendors supplying in certain categories or product areas? And then building on Phil's point, how much revenue is the customer spending in product category a, for example, because you could be a salesperson. You say, hey, boss, I've done a really great job. I've grown I've grown my revenue by 15%. I've gone from 100,000 euros to, you know, 15% uh, growth. Well, if the customer is currently spending, I'm being ridiculous to make a point, although not always, 25 million euros in that category, actually, you're not necessarily doing such a great job. So, and that I think helps you to well, identify your battlegrounds as well, Phil, doesn't well, that, it? Well, that, that's a very interesting comment because uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. That's a very, very common situation. And I've certainly lost count of the number of account managers that I've coached over the years that have got a big smile on their face saying exactly that, that they've increased from 15% to 25%. Uh, without even knowing that the customer's total spend is umpteen times higher than that, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So I think you've made a very important point. Well, it's almost like sometimes it's the zero-based budgeting approach, isn't it? Like Rather than, right, your sales target is 10% more than it was last year, is actually start with it like zero-based budget. It's like, okay, what should this territory or what should this customer be doing, yeah. not what have you been you know, have you been doing historically? And I think I think your, your other point on competitors is important because where you've got a nice share of wallet, that's a really attractive area for a competitor to be coming at. You know, I'll often get yeah. account managers, we do this thing and they think, oh, this is really clever. You know, I really like this. I'm really good. And I'll always put the note of caution. While we're sitting here working through how you can do this guess what your competitors are doing they're probably doing exactly the same thing yeah. and if they do this faster or better than you they're coming for your you know it's sometimes called land and expand strategy get in yeah start revenueing and then expand across so they're looking for where's your big pockets of revenue that they're going to come and it's your offend where have you got to defend where have you got to attack? Because if you're losing revenue, you're never going to grow your territory or grow your accounts because the, the plugs the plugs out in the bath, right? So, you know, you're, you're hemorrhaging think, business. I think that matrix will also encourage the 
sales and marketing director to talk to the account manager about how much they actually know about competitor activity on the ground. And if, for example, uh, there is a competitor that is wobbling badly at the moment, either through poor service delivery or the fact that the competitor's account manager has recently left the territory, when you know those situations, the sales and marketing director will mount a campaign against the whole competitor across the piece or one competitor in a named territory if we know that the competitor's excellent rep has just left and there is now going to be a two to three month hiatus until the competitor replaces them. Or or indeed... Or indeed, the competitor has a big, if they're a larger company, if they have a nice internal reorganization, everybody's attention is taken away from external to internal matters. And the marketplace is sometimes wide open for a, a tactical three months blitz. But you can only do that if you know where you're headed in the first place. Yeah. So if, if the information is there, then the opportunity comes up then you can exploit the opportunity. But without it, you're going to be spending six weeks fiddling around trying to work out where to focus. Yeah. Now, the two of you have been talking about battlefields and a matrix, (laughs) which all sounds rather futuristic and negative. And you started off about Windows. So I'm going to bring us back to Windows, which are much easier. Microsoft Windows? Or... No, I'm going to bring you back to what a lot of people call the Yohari window. Um, but it's not the Yohari window. It looks like it is, but it's the Joe Harry window. Uh, because the two psychologists who came up with it were called Joe and Harry. Um, and they couldn't work out what to call their window, what they call their window. Um, and so they called it the y- Joe Harry window. But people mistakenly call it the Yo Harry window, but it's the but Joe Harry window. They call it the Megan and Harry window now. The Megan and Harry window, <laughs> yeah. But the Joe Harry window is for windows. Uh, so if you just draw a, you know, a, a matrix, <laughs> you draw four squares, and in one square you've got what you know about yourself and what your customers know about you. And that's what's open. Yeah, Everything's open in front of everyone. Then you've got a square, which is what you know about yourself and your customers don't know. Well, that's a secret. Yeah, You're keeping a secret from them. Yeah? And then you've got what your customers know about you and you don't know about yourself. That's a blind spot. And then you've got the Donald Rumsfeld corner where we have the unknown unknowns because you don't know about them yourself and they don't know about them. The customer doesn't know about them either. And so when you think about that, a lot of salespeople are either in a blind spot because their customers know things about their competition uh, or about the what the customer wants that the salesperson doesn't know. And there's also uh, lots of salespeople who keep secrets because they think their customer knows, but their customer doesn't know. And so consequently, that's known to the salesperson, but not known to the customer. So if you've got those two things happening, you have got in your spreadsheet that you were talking about earlier, Simon, you've got people who could buy things from you that you don't know about because you have not done this spreadsheet exercise. So in other words, you're living in a blind spot as a salesperson, or you have got the opportunity to sell people things and you haven't bothered because you think they know, but they don't. So you're keeping them a secret. 
So as a salesperson, why are you keeping secrets and why are you living in a blind spot? Don't let your product or service become the best kept secret in your industry, folks. I think it's absolutely the, you know, I think just, just, just be realistic about human communication and, and memory retention and things and, and how important you are in the customer's world. They've probably forgotten. If you, you may have told them, you know, I've told them, boss. Yeah, well, guess what? Whew. Over the top of over the top of the customer's head, you know they're busy, they're busy, they're busy in their own in their own stuff as well. So you know, I know Jahari's window, great. Have a have a look, Google that, and have a have a now you know how to pronounce it properly, folks. As well, that'll be even <laughs> that'll be that'll be even better. The other the other thing, just just maybe as also as a is a is a maybe as a, um, a strategy or a tactic maybe that you can you can do is that. Um, when we're running um, negotiation training, I sometimes bring in a proper proper procurement consultant, very experienced procurement person, so salespeople can understand what goes on inside a procurement person's head as part of the program. They, do we do a Q and A and a day in the life of? And um, really interesting, my my uh, my tame procurement consultant said that procurement loves supplier consolidation because it costs money to manage suppliers so if you've got if you've got 50 suppliers and you can reduce that to 40 or to 35 you save money on yeah. supplier management and also then you also apply a bit of a thumbscrew to those suppliers to say well i'm doing more business with you now so you know which of course you may be interested to have that conversation so it's actually quite a nice way of approaching it and saying well actually we could start to mop up these additional revenue streams and and consolidate mr or mrs customer how about it you might find procurement are quite amenable providing of course you're doing a really good job in the in the products you're selling at the moment or else you're not going to be you're not going to be getting anything there so uh, i think a number of you know we've probably covered a number of possible applications of of this 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 concept guys any any closing thoughts on, yes, on windows I've, of opportunity I, i've got a couple just coming back to my uh, military metaphor which of course i love um i'm going to <laughs> we, we we we've mentioned uh defending the various boxes on this matrix yeah. or indeed uh, attacking them but uh, let's not forget the other two strategies in the military world, they being alliance and deterrence. So we might look at one of those boxes and say, well, if we form an alliance with another organization or a subcontractor, yeah. uh, maybe we can penetrate sales in that box by forming some sort of relationship with them, uh, going two-handed, as it were. Uh, and in terms of deterring our competitors from uh, even thinking about attacking some of our customers, uh, a couple of things that we can do on that is to make sure that we are out there in the trade press somewhere uh, with an article featuring our happy customer who's just gone ahead with a three-year contract with us, which basically says to our competitors, uh, don't bother approaching this lot for another three years because you won't get anywhere at all. So there are Numerous advantages, I think, around the matrix that we've been talking about tonight. I think just to just Phil, just also just to flip your point, I have often had salespeople all say something like, um, if I'm asking them some questions about a customer, they'll say, Oh no, that belongs to our competitor. They'll say, you know, they say, Oh no, that belongs to our competitor. 
as I say, as in your competitor owns them, then I'm obviously joking. And they go, no, 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 no. But they, 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 it's all sewn up to which I invariably say, yes. And it always will be until you start getting in there and start having a look around. So I'm not, of course it's the reverse side of that, that, that competitor has probably done exactly what Phil is saying and giving you the impression that that customer is impenetrable. And maybe they are, who knows? I don't know the situation, but that you're definitely not going to get any revenue if you don't go and knock on the door and start asking. True. Mr. Jones, closing thoughts uh, from your, the dark recesses of your blind spot on your Jahari window. I would just make sure that you get your cloth out, clean that window, have a good look through it. And um, you will find some business. Yeah. Um, And if you don't find business by looking through the window uh, and you feel as though you're, you know, you've got a headache trying to find all these customers, then stick your head through the window because then you'll break the pain. (laughs) I think that's, that's a metaphor. I'm, I'm desperately resisting the temptation, Phil, to say, Maybe you should target your salespeople with doing. Don't mention that word. No, I'm just going to mention. I'm going to mention sales targets. No, make why sure, not? Make, make <laughs> sure you listen to your our legendary episode. Should you scrap sales targets? Which are, yes. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Graham has not mentioned it so far, Phil. Anyway, moving on, Phil. Moving on quickly before even, folks. Thank you so much for listening in. How to find the hidden revenue you're currently missing by looking through the windows of opportunity. So, as Graham says, make sure you have. Have a look um maybe if you're a sales manager sales leader this could be something you could consider you know <clears throat> encouraging your sales team to do you know make them make them um do this as a, as a piece of work give them the time necessary to do it i've never known people not to grow revenue personally so uh wish you good luck and good selling with those windows of opportunities folks as i mentioned at the at the top of the show we've got a huge back catalog of episodes they're all available at saleschatshow.com website or from wherever you prefer all the major podcast platforms just search for sales chat show you'll find the the complete back catalog there and of course if you subscribe you'll be notified every time we do a new episode coming out at about one a week or so so uh want to make sure you're staying safe you and your family folks and thank you very much for listening just want to wish you good luck and good selling folks You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 